turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Last week, Peter gave us uh, a sermon on how we should treat our spouses. Now, those of y'all who were here this past week, was this week a better week with your spouses? Now, since you learned, Dan, was it better? Was, was it better? Deborah, was it better at your house? It's always, it's always good to try. Uh, listen, listen I, this is funny. Let me stop here for a second. I made reference this morning that somebody in this congregation was related to the serial killer that I, I described. Yeah. Do any of y'all know who that person in the congregation is? Do any, any of y'all? You do? Okay. I did tell you? I can't believe I, I shouldn't have told you. No, I know. I, I know who it is. Uh, this is funny, y'all. So when I'm saying this, I made mention that somebody in the church was related to a serial killer. The person's child looks at him and said, I bet it's Donald Beasley. <laughs> and and they, they looked and they said, it's not Donald Beasley. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. Last week, Peter gave us a sermon on how we should treat our spouses. Peter taught us that, that women are to submit to their husbands for the glory of God, that by submit, being submissive to your husbands, that you're following the Christian message, uh, and they would listen, more likely listen, and be one to the Lord. Uh, Peter also taught that, uh, that a woman should be growing inwardly spiritually, and that would attract a godly man. And that's what the, a, a woman should want, a godly man. Right, Hannah? Every woman should want a godly man. Not some crazy person talking to you from India. Peter taught the, the men that we need to love and honor our wives, taking care of her as the weaker vessel. Careful not to abuse her or lord ourselves over her. He also gave men a warning that he didn't give women that if we did not live up to our end of the scripture, that our prayers would be hindered. Tonight, Peter is going to be dealing with avoiding evil. Avoiding evil. Savannah, you get a, is it starting with a new page right there? I saw you flip the page when I said avoiding evil. She's like, all right, I need this right here. Trinity, how about you? You, right, you taking notes? You, you are taking notes. I'm looking at y'all too. Don't be looking. I hope he doesn't call me. Yeah. Avoiding evil. We need to remember that Peter is still preaching to people who are suffering under great persecution. These people need to be a light to those who are suffering as, as not to be more of a hindrance to them. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and we're going to start reading in verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8. Now finally... All of you should be like-minded and sympathetic, should love believers and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing, uh, excuse me, uh, giving, giving a blessing since you are called for this so that you can inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to, to love life and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 
because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and the ears are open to their request. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's read that, read that last line again. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask you to forgive us of our sins, and we thank you for allowing us to be here this evening. Help us, Lord, to, to see this information, to understand it, to apply it to our lives, that we might be greater servants for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, Amen. What we just read for the most part, what we just saw in our scripture tonight, Savannah, write this down, is a list of do's and don'ts. It's a list of do's and don'ts. Go back and read this scripture, Reagan, later on tonight, and think to yourself, you know, before you go on a trip or before you go to the grocery store, if you don't want to forget something, you write a list, right, Bailey? I mean, you just write a list. And, And that... The reason you do that is because when you go to the grocery store, I don't know if y'all do it or not, but I mean, I go to Food Line over here in Georgetown. If I make a list, sometimes I'll put the list in order of the way I know I go. I walk in the door, Dan, and I walk around the deli. I speak to the people at the deli, and I go straight to the vegetables. And I go around. I don't, don't look. I mean, I look over at the meat, but I don't go in the meat aisle. But I'll follow my list of what I need. That way I don't backtrack. I don't like to waste time in the grocery store. I want to beat that woman who's got all the the coupons. All right? The last thing I do before I leave the grocery store is I'll, doesn't matter what aisle I'm on, is I'll come out the aisle right there at the front of the cash registers and I'll make a line towards the bread. Now, I don't get bread, but like every other week. We just don't eat a lot of bread in our house. And then I go to the dairy. Now, I might get butter. We don't get eggs. We don't need eggs. We don't need eggs. But I'll get cottage cheese for Amy, and then I'll hook around the meat aisle. Because what I'm looking for at the meat aisle, y'all know what I'm looking for? The stuff on sale. And I make sure that I, where am I going with this? Do's and don'ts, okay. And I'll make sure that I'm there at a time of day, Mr. Taylor, right after they have, I mean, Mr. Crawford, I'm sorry, Mr. Crawford. Right after they have marked the meat down at the end of the day. Right? Little Kyle, you smart. That's right, I am. You can buy a whole chicken for $2.50 if you're there on the right time. A whole chicken. These people don't know what to do with a whole chicken anymore, do they, Miss Barbara? I mean, you cut him down the center, you cut off the appendages, and you, you know, cut it right another half, and you fry the chicken. Right? Ain't nothing to it, but we got to have it cut up for us now. $2.50. But I go through the, I just, I'm methodic. Why do I do that? To make it easy. Go back tonight and read this scripture on your own. And think to yourself, Peter has written it this way. And he's simplified it. He's made it easy for even, you know, people like Donald. Donald can understand this. He really can. I know he can. Test me. Tell him to read that scripture and explain it to you when you get home. I know he can do it. So what we see is a list of do's and don'ts concerning evil. So what does he say? Number one, that we should be like-minded. We should be like-minded, especially we as believers. I mean, if we are striving to be Christ-like and live like Christ, we ought to be more like-minded than than two neighbors who live down the street who don't go to church, right? We really should. Church, have you ever heard any of the prophets or writers in Scripture and the Bible ever say this before? Well, of course you have. 
Just think what any church, and I think this, and I've told you all this before, this church does this better than any church I've ever belonged to in all my life. Just think what we could do if we were like-minded like Peter's talking about. I really do think this task is extreme, is, is not really all that hard, church. We, we, we all with one mind and one accord look at every decision, every decision that's made, and we ask one question. Is this beneficial for the kingdom of God? And then we move forward. It's that simple. And that's pretty much what we do when we meet as deacon and pastors, when we have to deal with stuff. If somebody brings up and is like, you know, can we do this? We'll say, we'll, we'll ask ourselves pretty much, is this beneficial for the kingdom of God? Miss Tina, if it's not, we, you know, we, hey, but I, let's, let's think about it. Let's pray about it. And generally when we think about it and pray about it, Bill, it's usually, nah, let's don't do it. But if we, you know, if it's, if it's something that's beneficial to the kingdom of God, you do it. Why, why is a church being like-minded so hard? I don't understand. I really don't. But I, I have been in churches where they aren't. And again, believers ought to be like-minded. We ought to be like-minded because we have the same Father. Amen? I, I tell that to people all, I don't care who they are, if they're, they're big, if they're small, if they're fat, if they're tiny, if they're anorexic, I don't, what color they are. When, I, when they ask me, how are you doing today? I, I'll say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Jesus changed my life. And they'll say, Jesus changed my life too. And I said, well, you must be my sister. And they're just like, well, yes, I am. We have the same father. We, we're, we, we ought to be like-minded, amen? But he doesn't stop there. He said this. He says that we should be sympathetic. This is where we put the brakes on, don't we, Bill? We, we should, Peter says, we should be sympathetic. To who or to whom? To everything and to everybody. We should be sympathetic. That doesn't mean, listen, that does not mean that you have to stop at every person that you see on the intersection with a sign that says, uh, I, I homeless need help, anything. It doesn't mean you have to give money to everybody. But you don't need to roll your windows down and throw your drink at them. You don't need to roll your windows down and, and throw rocks at them. Or say hateful things to them. Now, Stan, I have done this. I mean, I, here, every, about two months ago before the city passed the law that you can't do it anymore in the city limits, I would roll my windows down and say, look, you know, it says anything will help. Well, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't carry cash, so they said anything, right, Angela? Well, I'm going to give you some advice. So I'd roll the windows down. I'd say, look, Bass Pro Shop is begging people to work for them. Every time you go, Bass Pro Shop is looking for... Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to work at Bass Pro Shop. Well, you, you should have stopped with I don't want to work. Because I sure didn't, I didn't, I didn't like being a, a, a hole digger, a ditch digger. But Benji, I did it until something better came along. I mean, that, that's what you do. I, I hear young people all the time, I'm not working for the man. Mr. Crawford, that's what they're saying. I'm not working for the man. Well, you need to shut your mouth and pay your bills. Because daddy's not paying them anymore. You need to work for the man until the man, you know, you find another man to work for. Because you're always working for the man. I'm the pastor of this church, and I still work for the man. I work for the man. The man. And I, I'm fine with it. But we, need, we do need to be sympathetic. He says, be sympathetic. Church, this is where I think our church uh, a lot of times has a problem. Because we've got a lot of pro people in our community that they're, they're down and out. I mean, we, we have got a lot of people in our community 
who are homeless or just about to be homeless, that don't have lights on, that don't have electricity on, don't have water on. We need to be sympathetic. We need to love them. Amen? In any way, shape, form, we can. I'll tell you this. In the past year, uh, we were leaving here, and Amy said, so-and-so's coming to the, coming to the house for, for dinner. I said, okay, that's fine. Come on. And they lived in the community. And this person sat at our table and, and was talking crazy. But, I mean, as we were eating, Amy said, are you enjoying your meal? And it was very evident that this person was enjoying their meal because they were on their second plate. And, I mean, I was full halfway through my first one. And this person said, I've eaten Roma noodles for 30 days, past month. Past month. What, what, what could we do if we as a church started being sympathetic to the things that we see around us? It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, give every last dime that you have to them, but you can invite them to a meal. How, how many times, listen, how many times, think about this for a second. How many times have you cooked a meal in your lifetime and not had leftovers? No, I've tried. Since Amy and I became empty nesters, Desi, I have tried, diligently tried to make food, prepare food just for two people. I can't, Miss Barbara, I can't do it. And the only way I can do it is I'm making a sandwich. And sometimes I have to, I mean, I don't want that last bite, and I'll just throw it to the dog. But just think how easy it is to invite somebody for a meal. Or listen, better this, listen to this. There's people in the neighborhood whose spouses have died. Some of them come, you know, they, they go to our church. If you need names, come to me. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. That meal, instead of putting it in the refrigerator and letting it mold and, you know, you find it when you clean the refrigerator out two months from now, put it in a little dollar container and take it to this person that you know is probably on a fixed income. It's that easy. He said, listen, he said, be sympathetic. But he didn't stop there. He said, we should love believers. Now, this ought to be the easiest in all the world. But the problem is, there's, 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 uh, oh, golly, oh, golly. Tears amongst the wheat. There's tears amongst the wheat. You get them in the church, and I mean, thank God, I, I, I can't think of one person here, but I can think of my last church. Where, I mean, we are to love believers. Some believers are not lovable. They're not. Yo, I'm telling you, there were two or three people in my last church, when they came towards me, I would drop my head and go the other direction. Because I knew, I mean, there was no words of affirmation or encouragement. It was, it was yeah, you know what, I, that, was, that, that was a pretty good message, preacher. But you didn't, you didn't do this, or you didn't talk about this. Why didn't you talk about this? I learned in my Sunday school class, I wrote it down in my Bible, took notes. Why didn't you talk about so-and-so? And you just want to look at him and say, why don't you just shut your pie hole? Why don't you shut your mouth, Mr. Crawford? I mean, I know, but there's no encouragement. But it says, be, we need to love, we should love believers. I can honestly tell you that there's, there's one person in this church that drives me nuts. Just one. Just one. It's all right, Dan. I'm glad you recognize it. But 
Sometimes too, but Vicky's gotten better. But we're to love one another. We're to, we're to be compassionate. But he doesn't stop there. He says this. He says we're to be humble. Church, I just like many of you are still working on this one. I'm still working on this one. I really am. But I can tell you what, what has helped me on my journey towards humility is I've realized a long time ago that I'm nothing. I'm a nobody in this world. And I'm simply fine with that. I didn't used to be, but I'm, I'm fine with that. Miss Barbara, I struggled for years with that, especially when I was in school and I was learning. I mean, I was learning and my head was growing and, and I'd look around and I'd go to, uh, to churches that some of my professors were, were preaching at and, and I'd sit in there and, and I, it, it's a preacher thing, y'all. I, I, it, it is. But when you sit in preaching, you dissect the preacher's preaching. You do. I mean, you don't mean to. When I go to Jacksonville, I, I do it. I mean, I dissect the preacher's preaching. I'm just like, dude, I'd have stopped right there. That's a great point. Give the invitation. Let's, let's you know, let's do this thing. Let's, let's go. But I'd go to some of these, these things, and I'm like, golly, man, they, they've got 1,200 people strong, 200 voice choir, and I can preach better than that, dude. Well, that's real humble, isn't it? You know, God got me. God's just using me here at this little church because I was, you know, out in the country. And one day I'm going to have me one of these big churches. Y'all, listen, please, if y'all don't believe anything else that I say, please understand something. I am, after years of watching and learning and seeing what other pastors have gone through, not only in churches our size, but bigger, even smaller, Mr. Crawford, I got you right this time, I am the most content person in all the world to be where God wants me to be I, I, I am because if I push it and I start sending resumes out to you know these big churches first of all I, I don't have the education they're gonna look at me and throw my my resume in the trash can but if I'm there I'm not where I'm supposed to be I want to be where God wants me to be and God is God he knows everything doesn't he Brett, uh, Brandy and he knows where I am if he wants me somewhere else he's gonna move me right <laughs> she said he won't but I'm content with that. For years, I wasn't. I wasn't. But I am. I'm telling y'all. I'm so, you know, just, just realize you're nothing. But it doesn't stop there. He says, be compassionate. What exactly does it mean to be compassionate? This. It means to be concerned, kindly, kind, kind-hearted. Now, can I tell you what has helped me with this issue more than any other thing? I learned that other people are more important than I am. Really, other people are more important than I am. You do realize that Jesus left the 99 for that one lost one, right? We need, we need to, to pay attention to that when we look at people in this community. We really do. Jesus, listen, what that means is Jesus left the ones that were doing the right thing, that were staying together, that weren't straggling off. He left them to find the one that had gotten himself lost. Church, we need to be compassionate. We do. We need to be compassionate. He says this, don't pay back evil for evil or insult for insult. This is kind of self-explanatory here. When, not if, but when somebody does evil or insults you, you don't get even. Give it to God. 
Brother Kyle, that's easy to say and hard to do. You're exactly right. But the more you do it, guess what? The easier it becomes. It really is. I'm telling y'all, I am telling y'all, oh my gosh, I'm telling y'all, listen to me. If y'all would just adopt what I taught y'all so many years ago, when somebody does you wrong, what do you say, Becky? Oh, well. I mean, Scripture does not say that when somebody gets in your face and they do you wrong, Scripture doesn't say you can't look at them and say, oh, well. And just turn around and walk away. Don't look back. Don't, don't look. You want to look back. You want to just, just you know, but don't, don't look back. Just say, oh, well. One, one of my professors who has preached revival here, Mark Cunningham. Y'all remember Mark Cunningham? He did this to me one time because I was playing with him, but he didn't think I was playing with him. And I said something kind of out of way in class towards him. It's like, man, I, I can't believe you did something. I can't believe you taught that or something, something. And he looked at me, and this is what he said, Courtney. Y'all listen to this. He said, I'm sorry that I didn't meet up to your expectations. And he smiled and turned around. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, I'm sorry I didn't meet up to your expectations. That's like slapping somebody with your hands in your pockets and just turning and walking away. Don't pay back evil for evil, insult for insult. Church, why, why does Peter tell us to do all of this? Look at 9b. 9b, and let me find 9b. 9b says this, since you were called for this so that you can inherit a blessing. So why does he tell us to do this? Number one, we were called to do this. When we respond properly, we are representing who is alive in us, church. I'm telling y'all, listen, if y'all will adopt the oh well and the I'm sorry I didn't meet up to your expectations, it's not bad. It's not. And it will bring joy to your life. It really will, I'm telling you. The second thing he says is this. We are to respond in these ways so that we may inherit a blessing from our responses. That means when you look at somebody who's done you wrong and they say, you look at and say, oh well, a flower blooms in your heart. It really does. I mean, because you're, you're doing what Scripture tells you to do and it's, it, it's become an enjoyment. So even when people get on your nerves, you can still grow from it. No, nah, Vicky, Vicky's back there saying, oh, hell. No, you can't do it that way, Vicky. You can't. You can't do it in a condescending way. You just say, oh, well. Oh, well. Now, uh, no, I better, I'm going to leave that alone. Now, the second thing, second part of this is how to live, excuse me, how to love life and see good days. <clears throat> How to love life, Peter tells us how to love life, <coughs> and how to see good days in verses 10 through 12. Church, do you want to love your life and have good days? Colin, you want to love your life, have good days? Yeah, me too. Me, me too. I want to love my life and have good days. Have you ever heard someone say, I, I want to hate my life? My life is just too good. Or I want to have nothing but bad days for all the rest of my life because I've had so many good days already. No. 
Hey, if you want to love life and have good days, Peter is going to give us God's recipe. <coughs> Not our recipe, but God's recipe. Because our recipe is this. If I, if I could just get that raise, if, if I could just buy that, that new pair of, of boots, or if I, if I could just buy that new blender that has the, the, the alternating fifth speed, Miss Tina, if I could just get that blender, I, I would just be so happy for the rest of my life. No, you wouldn't. You'll be happy for about 30 minutes. Now, he's given us a list of how we can be happy, we can love our life, and see good days. Here we go. Number one. You ready? Savannah, write this down. Ready? You ready? How to love your life and have good days. You ready? Here we go. Listen. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. What does this mean? Get rid of lying, perversions, using words to, to, to your gain and to slay others. Uh, Peter could have just said this. Christians, keep your mouth shut. Just shut your mouth. Have y'all ever said something, and as soon as you said it, you thought to yourself, no, I, I really didn't need to say that. Golly, I mean, I didn't. I did not need to say that. Becky brings it out of me from time to time in church. We'll be, you know, something will happen, and she'll say something, and she's provoking me, Savannah. She really is. She, I don't know if she provokes you at the house, but she provokes me at work sometimes, and I'll say something to Becky, and I'll think, I didn't need to say that. Golly, you don't provoke Savannah at the house, do you? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sure, Savannah, you don't provoke her either, do you? Okay. <clears throat> but just watch what you say. Keep, keep evil from your lips and, and deceit out of your heart. Number two, he says this, turn away from evil and do good. I mean, pe pe Colin, this is easy. This, this is like going to, to college and you walk in the, the third day of class and the teacher hands you a coloring page and says this, I'm gonna, if you color this, I, you know, I'm, this, this is 80% of your grade. Do, do this coloring sheet. Right? He, he says this, he says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Turn away from evil. Is there anybody in here who says, well, Brother Kyle, I just don't know what evil is. Well, you listen. You need to come talk to me after church, and you need to get saved. Because if the Holy Spirit's living in you, you know what evil is. You do. He says, turn away from evil, do good, seek peace. Seek peace. Now, we don't always find it, but we need to seek it. Thirdly, he, why, why, why should we do all this, church? Why should we do all of what he's telling us to do? Look at verse 12. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their request. But the, Lord's, but the, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's why we should. That's why we should do everything that he said to do. Look, look, look at verse 12 again. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. If you, the, the more righteous you think you are, you need to understand the eye, God is looking at you that just that much stronger. He really is. Secondly, he says, and his ears are open to their request. You have the ear of God to hear your prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is living within you and the Spirit of God tells you, don't do that, it's evil, and you do it, 
Listen to what Scripture says. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you do something that you know is evil, the face of the Lord is against you. Why would you do something that God will turn his face from you? Peter made it easy. Church, how does this apply to us? Well, first of all, it was recorded in God's finished work, so all of this kind of applies to us in one way or another. Amen? All of it. All of it. Have you ever heard a good church member say, I belong to a John 3, 16 church or, a, or an Acts 1, 8 church? Maybe we ought to be saying, I, I belong to a, a 1 Peter 3 church. Right? That's a pretty good message tonight, Peter. I wonder what would happen. What, what would happen if a church so desired to follow Peter's advice and avoid eater, evil in all manner what, what the disciples of the church would look like. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is good stuff here. I wonder how it could change our lives individually if, if we came from this point on in our lives to choose to live like Peter instructs us tonight. I wonder what our lives would look like individually. We can know, can't we, Stan? Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat> Father, we love you and we thank you for this message. We pray that you would speak to hearts tonight, speak to our hearts individually, speak to our hearts corporately and as a church, that we might do what you've created us to do and reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to, to love this, this congregation, to love the, the, the church, to love our community in such a way that, that lost people are one to you. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come and spend some time at the altar?